with a brother today and we were talking about what if we never knew Jesus where would we be and we just we couldn't fathom a life without the Lord amen and I can't fathom a life without I know as bad as I am it's okay but Calvary paid that price like uh, Paul said he was the least among you you know we can all say that because we all know what we are ourselves and then if you have a request upon this heart this morning this evening I just want to pray for my son he's doing great it's going to be greater and greater man I have a little testimony about 20 minutes after so I'm just kidding Amen. I love you let's pray father thank you thank you that your mercies are new every morning Thank you, Lord, that before the foundation of the world, you slipped that wedding grand of unmerited favor upon your wife's finger. Your wife stands here today, Father. Lord, just, she took that oath that can't be broken. We thank you for your grace this evening, Father. Pray that you bless the burdens upon the hearts, Father. But Lord, we come, Lord, not for show, but we want to see you. We want to pour out our hearts before you this evening. Lord, that you would just pour out your grace and presence to us and give us that revelation and unction for another day, for this day. I praise you. I pray that you bless the tithes and offerings. Bless those that are streaming, Father. Help us to get out of our way, each and every one, Lord, that you could have your way. I thank you for your grace. Bless your children today, Father, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace all day long. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. He paid a debt. Give her a hand. 
It's so nice to see you. Look at that smile. I'm happy to see her. Amen. Right after her, we're going to get Sister Sarah and Sister Deb to give her give us a song also. So if you just make your way right on up here. Amen. God bless 
Amen. Let's give Sister Sarah and Sister Deborah a hand. kind of froggy.
king clothed in majesty let all the earth rejoice all the earth rejoice he wraps himself in light and darkness try to hide trembles at his voice trembles at his voice how great is our God sing with me how great is our God bless you this evening. Greet you in the name of the Lord. Turn around and look at somebody and smile. Say, God bless you, pilgrim. Brother Brown said, that's the nicest thing you can say to another person is, God bless you. Just look at somebody and say, God bless you. Now look at somebody you never say that to and say, God bless you. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. Happy to have Kevin and Sarah and the tribe here with us today. Amen. It's been too long since they visited, so... Amen. We're going to really heap on the guilt. (laughs) But we're happy to have them. Amen. Happy to hear my second goddaughter out here singing tonight. Praise the Lord and all the family. And Grandma, I kept thinking, who is Tony talking about? Grandma. 
I, I remember him calling Sister Jean that. And I thought, who would that be? And then I hear Sister Dorothy start up. <laughs> I was immediately in the right place at the right time. Amen. God bless you. We want to turn to Hebrews chapter 11 this evening. We want to just move quickly along. I don't, I don't want to use the word quickly, but let me just move um, studiously along because we kind of made an announcement today that we're abbreviating every little bit here and we're cut back a little bit on the cut into Brother Anthony's time, going to cut into my own time a little bit. We're going to, I'm going to give you Anthony's leftover time and my leftover time. I'm going to give it to you. Amen. We're going to come up around like in the old days and pre-pandemic, pre-pandemonic and, uh, and pray our man around the altar. So Kev, Sarah, you picked a good weekend. Amen. Praise the Lord. So then we're going to have some testimonies. I'm sure that you've got some. I've already heard a number of good ones. Uh, and so we're going to have some of those repeated tonight. Just take a little time for that. Amen. It's wonderful, and I love, love doing it. Last week, we did it on Wednesday and brought you up. Nobody had a testimony. And I said, my goodness, everybody's in vapor lock. And I, I, I got home. And I said, well, you know, they hadn't done it in so long. It probably caught everybody off guard. So tonight, I'm sure that uh, almost every, we'll probably have to shut you all down on testimonies tonight. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11, I want by the grace of God to pick up the continuation of a thought that I preached on in December. And in December, we took a title called Assure Foundation. And I want to take part two of that tonight. I believe if memory serves, you'll find that maybe in the first or second week of December, if you're going to look for that on the archive, if you haven't heard part one. But tonight, I want to catch part two. We're going to actually take our same opening text, I believe is what we used last time. Hebrews 11, beginning at verse 32. And what shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and Jephthah and David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight, the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life. Now, <clears throat> if you just stop right there, you'd say, my goodness, what a successful military campaign. This army, whoever they were, were unstoppable, undefeatable. All right? Now, now we're going to flip, but I want you to remember what you're about to read did not diminish the victorious position of the same army. All right, They were still just as victorious and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourging, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword where they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Can we think of any other horrible descriptive terms here? Now, catch Paul's summation. Amen. Whether they were successful, what it looks like successful, or what looks like unsuccessful, of whom, both sides, the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. All and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, 
received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight, Lord, and I just stand here, Lord, and surrender myself fresh, Father, my whole heart and mind just into your care. Take the word, Lord, as you have brought it to me throughout the number of days, Lord, been looking at these notes and adding a little here and a little there as you inspired me. And Lord, it just seemed today the windows of heaven open. I could hardly contain it. And yet we have an abbreviated service tonight. And so I'm just asking you now, Lord, to be the preacher. You'll get it all said and it'll be said perfectly. Lord, I commit myself into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friends. You can be seated. And um, excuse me one minute, I realized that I missed one of my prayer requests. I've had a number of prayer requests come in, and I got one from um, my sister earlier today, and I meant to uh, read it, meant to post it here in my notes, but I failed to do that, so let me just catch that or I'll forget it, sure as anything. And it's not Brother Lisa, that would be Sister Lisa. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Have a number of prayer requests. We'll get to them uh, just at the end. Praise God. Now, <clears throat> it's amazing um, the scripture that we read and how that God really is not, um, how would I say this? He's not, you know, mincing words. And he's not trying to, you know, sometimes if you come on a situation and you ever hear the old term, the elephant in the room, and it's the thing nobody wants to talk about, and everybody just kind of avoids it, and this, the air's awkward because everybody knows what needs to be said, but nobody wants to say it. And God just walks down into our building tonight and just says, hey, I'm going to talk about the elephant in the room. Whether it looks successful or whether it looks like a failure, you're still victorious. And, and whatever you do, don't, don't be afraid to say, hey, I'm in the middle of a trial and I need prayer because that's part of the program. That we, in fact, is that we find out that, you know, we, we, none of us like this idea. And even Brother Brandon would talk about, you know, it's too bad it has to be this way. But sometimes situations uh, occur in our lives, trials come afflictions come and it's all for our gain it's all for our advancement it's all to build character because there's just no way to build human character apart from suffering you you literally have to have the contrast you it's impossible for you to appreciate a sunny day without a rainy day now you might say, oh no, I'd, I'd like every, if every day was sunny. I promise you, after a while, you'd be glad to have a rainy day. You can't appreciate real happiness without a contrast of some sadness. You can't appreciate gain without loss. What I'm really glad is that when we cross into a new heavens and a new earth, and I made some comments about this on Sunday uh, at, at the memorial service for Sister Jan there, that when we have that body and in that new heavens and in that new world and in that new everything, where everything is God and God is everything in expression and there's not any iota of anything else that's not him in expression. Think of it, friends. There, in that condition, you won't need contrast. 
You'll never have to come in the aeons of time back to a hardship and a trial and a suffering and a loss or separation. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. And, you know, if we be honest, we, we long for that. None of us, you know, I, 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 I feel this way a, a lot, that, Lord, I, I would that you hasten your coming, but yet I don't want a shortcut. You know, I, I do want to be there, but I don't want to be there till it's over. And I, I don't want to go ahead. I want us all to go together. Amen. And, I, and I, I feel that way very genuinely and very sincerely. And I, I say, Lord, give me, give me strength to, I want to be like Paul. It's nothing wrong with wanting to go. Paul wanted to go. Paul said, I'm in a great strait. See, because I'd like, to, I'd like to be on the other side. Having seen it, I'd like to go back. But for your sakes, it's better if I stay. And so, humanly speaking, I'm in this, I'm in this quandary in my spirit. And, and so, but you have to understand that Paul reached a place where he could actually say, I have, I have ran my race, I have finished my course, and I ran it well. And I finished my course. And you know, I, 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 I feel like this world is, is every day less and less my home but really, friends, if you just uh, bear in mind that it's only the world order that's so uh, abrasive to you. It's only the world order. This world was built for you. And there's great heavenly joys and realities that lay just ahead for every last one of us. And I just, I just, every day I wake up and I thank God for life. And I thank him for liberty. And I thank him for faith. And I thank him for a determination to keep pressing. Especially as I begin to see the security of the believer, the more, more and more in the word every day. We see it. We, I, I, I believe that we're coming to it, and I think it's happening to us all. I know that we struggle with insecurities. I get that. We're human beings, sadly. But the, but the bottom line is, a prophet said, you know, when the bride recognizes who she is, then that, that's really the... That's really the catalyst that's, that's going to give you the kind of faith you need. Say, well, I, how, what kind of faith do I need? How do I get it? I will say to you tonight, don't worry because he who's made the plan has got the remedy. He's got the solution. You understand that when he came to Abraham, we made this comment in part one. When he came to Abraham, God not only gave him the promise, but he gave him the requirement and he gave him the goods. He gave him a promise and said, now here's the requirement, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. And the whole thing came in one ball of wax. And Abraham believed God. And from that moment, nothing, no failure of Abraham, no backsliding, no nothing, uh, annulled that promise. It couldn't annul it because it was an unconditional covenant. And the bride is realizing today that God is the one who called us. God is the one who issued the requirement. And God has provided the solution to his own demand. And the more I absorb that, the more I see that, the more that becomes a reality to me. And I see it almost every day because I see my weaknesses every day. I see my stumblings every day. And so I, I, I just want to say to the devil, take that devil because you tricked me, but that made my faith stronger. And now I love God even more and I hate you even more 
and I want heaven even more and I want even more separation. The devil can't win for losing. He can actually win if he wasn't always losing. (laughs) Adam's part as we we made this, I've got several lines just to to connect back to part one because it was more than a month ago. But Adam's part, I'm sorry, Abraham's part was to hear and to recognize or to believe, hearing, recognizing, or hearing, receiving, or hearing, believing, and acting. So receiving, believing, recognizing, Brother Branham would use those terms all to mean the same thing. It's the middle category. His part was to hear it. His part was to recognize it, to receive it, to believe it. And then once he had accomplished that second part, he was to act upon it in real time. Thank you, brother. And so we can see in the Bible, and, and, and this, this is such a beautiful thing. If you would just absorb this for your own life tonight, listen, the Bible says that Abraham staggered not at the promise. He didn't say Abraham staggered not. We all fall short. All of us do. There's none good. Only Jesus was the perfect one. It didn't say Abraham didn't stumble. It just said he didn't stagger at the promise. He did. He had all kinds. Brother, we can read in the Bible and that he, how he fled the promised land to Egypt. And a prophet in this day said, as soon as a Jew leaves the promised land, he's backslid. So I can say on the authority of Scripture interpreted by a prophet, Abraham backslid. Don't, don't faint. Don't throw something at me. Abraham backslid. How do you know? I read it. He got down there lying, trying to save his own skin. And that was God's predestinated, elected, and charge-free prophet. The unindictable prophet of God was down there conniving and sneaking and lying. And did God let him get away with it? No. Did God let the rest of Egypt get away with it? Sure. But not Abraham. God will let the world go right on, but he won't let you go right on because you're his child. And he'll bring the rod of correction. That's a direct tape teaching. Brother Branham says, you'll do wrong. Direct quote, you'll willfully do wrong. It doesn't mean you're not a a son. It just means the rod of correction is on the way. He stumbled in weakness yet, but in his faith, he never staggered at the promise. He kept going. Say, how do you know he never staggered? Because he kept going. How do you know he didn't stagger at the promise? Because when he stumbled in his flesh, he kept going. And he repented and he, and he turned his feet and went back to the promised land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We find him coming up again, lying. Abraham had, had these ticking time bombs. I preached on that some years ago at the men's meeting. He just had these ticking time bombs and all it took was the right circumstance. We've got those. We can be ever so, feel ever so spiritual in church, and we do. But you know as well as I know, and I know that you know, and you know that I know, and we all know that we know. That sometimes if we're not careful and our prayer life gets waning, our church attendance wanes, and our fellowship wanes, all Satan has to do is get you in the right circumstance, at the right place, at the right time, and the right thing happened, and you got a problem. Oh, but I'm here to tell you, once Abraham had that promised son, once the office of son was on the scene, Abraham never fell again. He never staggered again. And what do we have today? But the ministry.
ministry of the Son of Man. It's back among us and this bride is recognizing who she is. When we read that 40th verse, and here's the last point that I wanted to make from part one. And I'm saying other things that wasn't there, but I wanted to for sure get these two or three here. And here's the last one. That 40th verse, when we read that 40th verse and Paul saying to the, to the, to the New Testament era church, and, and verse 39 and 40, and these all in the Old Testament, having obtained a good report through faith, and they had even been resurrected on, went with Christ on resurrection morning. Amen? And we, we were talking about it with some brothers here recently because if you look at the qualification, Brother Branham said not every, the Bible says that many of the saints which slept arose. See, Re- remember that, that you've had a remnant in every age. And I don't want to get too deep teaching on this tonight. I just want to make a quick mention of it. But just remember that many of the graves, many of the bodies of the saints which slept arose, don't forget that the remnant, the foolish virgin are called saints. They are called righteous. They are called sanctified ones. So you understand, but, but they're not in the, in the millennium. They don't go in the rapture. Only, only the redeemed go in the rapture. And you see that type, not all of the bodies of the saints which slept arose, but many of them did. But Brother Branham said not all of them did just because they were a Jew, because not all Israel's Israel. And so we find that Brother Branham said, not all of them rose, but who rose? It was those who with sincerity that they maintained in their lifetime a deep sincerity before God because they couldn't even be born again to the level in the soul that you can be. By the Holy Ghost baptism, it wasn't given yet. You understand? But yet without that, that, those rugged men and women of faith and young people of faith, it didn't matter that, that Joseph was young. He, he refused. He refused to offend God. It didn't matter that however young they were, it didn't matter how young Samuel was, and he was from a young boy ready to serve God. And those men in Daniel with no church to go to for 60 years, didn't even, couldn't go to a church service like you and I go. Didn't have any fellowship of anybody. He had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they had actually been appointed governors and rulers and scattered across the, the kingdom. He rarely saw them. He literally sustained himself without the Holy Ghost experience like you have. Now, he had plenty of experiences with the Holy Ghost, but not bringing a, a new birth like you have the right, where it destroys the old nature. This is what weary David, Brother Branham said, because David knew the word should somehow live stronger. He just knew it. It should live stronger. He said, I, I don't understand. And Brother Branham said it wearied him because he said, you know, I, 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 I've tied it to my bedpost. I've put it between my eyes. I meditate upon it day and night. But Brother Branham said it wearied him because he couldn't make it live out like he somehow knew it ought to. And I say, blessed be the name of the Lord. You don't have to suffer David's weary. You can pass from death unto life and get a new nature. And you're going to need it because the world is many, many hundreds of times more evil than in the days of David. But I'm here to tell you, God has given us the requirement and has given us the solution and he's provided the sacrifice. And 
this is all part of a bride understanding who she is and that's where her strength comes from. Because they, those graves are the ones which arose. They obviously, they couldn't rise because they were lineage to Abraham because Jesus talked to people who were the lineage of Abraham and they were the children of the devil. They said, we have Abraham to our father and Jesus didn't argue that. Wouldn't have done him any good because they had family records. They could prove it. But they were of their father, the devil, because they had the spirit of the devil. And it didn't matter that they could or couldn't keep the law. It had nothing to do coming out of the grave. wasn't that they kept the law because, frankly, if you offended in the least, you're guilty of the whole. The problem with keeping the law is nobody could. If anyone could, Jesus wouldn't have had to. The fact that he had to prove, that's why he gave them the law, to prove to them they couldn't keep it. Oh, God gave them an unconditional covenant, gave them a prophet, gave them a pillar of fire. And they did, and they wanted something to do in their own. I'm here to tell you tonight, I don't want none of my own. My own's no good. My own frustrates me. I want his and his alone. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So we realize that this is the this is the strength. What brought them out of the grave? was that they had, Brother Adam said, it was those that had that sincere, that's a powerful word, that sincere faith like Abraham had, that constant never say die, never say quit, never say retreat, that constant sincerity, it didn't matter, come what may, they were gonna serve Jehovah. They had their ups and downs. They were men and women of like passions. Brother Branham said that meant they had their ups and downs, but yet they kept pressing. They kept pressing. I, and that's the day and hour, and hour that I live in. Say, how do you know you're going to rapture? Because I know I got that same sincerity. So how do you know you got that? Because I know it in my life. You say, do you make mistakes? I do. But that, but that tells me I'm a believer because I repent and I press on and I press on and I press on and I'm pressing tonight and I'll be pressing tomorrow. And there's no possibility. I've already passed the point of no return. There is no possibility for the devil to turn me around. Short of a new birth, you can be turned around. Trust me. If you can be persuaded in, you can be dissuaded out. <laughs> Brother Burley says, Brother Jason, I learned a long time ago. If somebody can get you in with a hot dog, somebody gets you out with a hamburger. <laughs> I said, Burley, you're the only one who would ever come up with that. And I, that is so true. But this verse 40, Paul is telling them, with everything you had, without us, you can never be made perfect. And, that, and he was talking to the church that thought the rapture was imminent, unaware it would, it would take seven church ages and two, 20 centuries. And we're still here. And now we look back and go, oh, you think so, Paul? Guess what? Without us, you can't be made perfect. What, it, what that 39th and 40th verse means is that there was still more to do. I know we're tired. I know we're weary. I know the world is evil, but there's still more to do. We got to press harder because if we were done, we'd be gone. We have a sure foundation tonight. So we find then that this ability to hear and to recognize and act on the revealed word 
that's literally how it's got to come. These cycles, you, I don't want to get too, too, too bogged down tonight in teaching because I may carry this over into Sunday. I don't know yet. I don't have my marching orders yet. I've got a lot of material. Don't know exactly how it'll go. This here's a month coming after part one, so that just gives you some idea of how it can go. I don't get to choose it. But, but we find then that, you know, you, you, can, you can see all of these, these types if you go back and you, you look at Adam. And I, I'm just, I'm just going to drop this peradventure. The Lord will let me pick it back up this weekend. If he won't, I'll remind you of it again. Amen. So when you go back and you look at Adam pre-fall, you're really seeing a really awesome parallel to the believer today, born again of the Spirit of God. Because he, he talked with God. He had fellowship with God. And that's what the Holy Ghost restored. It restored that lost fellowship from Eden. See? And so we have that, that, that was a perfect type of a Holy Ghost. But that's why Brother Branham said the third part of the restoration in the back part of his mind was to restore the kingdom, that's us, to our rightly I love that word. That means it's your rights. You have a right to go back to that kind of a life that Adam enjoyed. You have a right. And I'm here to tell you something, friends. We are on our road there, and you're already part of the way because your, your soul is already crossed the, crossed the chasm of sin, and it's back in the presence of God. Brother Branham said it's already back on the other side, sitting in the presence of God in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Don't think linearly because you'll get messed up. Quantum mechanics is proving that. Quantum theory is proving that today like never before. I just was reading a statement from one of the leading professors and experts, and he was quoting the pioneer of quantum theory and quantum mechanics and quantum uh, physics. And he said, and he made, he made this statement. I don't have it in front of me, so it's not an exact quote, but he, he basically said that what they discovered in the quantum world, that everything in this world that we consider real is made up of things that actually can't be real. <laughs> it's a whole, they're, 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 they're beginning to get a whole paradigm shift. I'm here to tell you, they're starting to get a little bit of a, a little bit of a crack into understanding that this great creator, and, and I, I had a quote today from Brother Eugene concerning uh, Albert Einstein, and he was just, he was just trying to implore right before he's, he's passing away that he said, all my years and all my years of pondering and musing on this, he said, I, have, I am no closer today than, than in one quote, he said, I'm no closer today to finding the answer to this impenetrable question. And he's really looking for what's how did life start and what life is? And I'm here to tell you something, friends, without going any further into it tonight, I'll go to it deeper in the future. But, but don't, don't get so wrapped up in what you see around you. Amen. And let me say, don't get so twisted and bent and discouraged by it. Don't, don't go lusting after it because it ain't what you think it is. And don't get discouraged by it because it ain't what the devil's telling you it is. I'm here to tell you, we've got something ahead of us where he and that word are going to become what you never dreamed possible. You say, well, but Adam, Adam pre-fall, he had a perfect body. He did, 
But in understanding, you outstrip him because he, he understood nothing of redemption. He didn't understand a, a, a healer, a provider, a savior, a captain. He didn't understand any of those things. And, and so now we come today. I'm here to tell you something, friends. Being born in sin. And, and let me just say this to you. I don't care where the devil took you to in sin. Once you have passed from death to life, you become more valuable to God. Having made all of those mistakes, you become more valuable to God after being born in sin and come into the world speaking lies. And I get that it can scarp our life and I get that it can put baggage on our life. But I'm here to tell you, if you can overcome all of that and stand victorious, you are a greater testimony. We got a testimony service tonight. You're, you become a testimony. You become Hebrews chapter 11. They're still writing verses about you and me. Oh. Brother Branham comes to proving his word. And it's amazing because I'd been wanting to hear this for a while and, and a brother on our call in, Brother Jack quoted from it. And, uh, and so I thought, and I actually copied and pasted the quote into notes that I'll either get to tonight, but maybe not tonight, but maybe Sunday. And, and so while I'm sitting there working and in the afternoon, Sister Debbie and I, as our, as our custom, and we've got a tape playing. And so I just went for her, just pick, pick one, and I just picked this one. I said, well, let me just hear the whole thing. And it opens up one. It's Brother Ram preached it twice. This one is from August the 16th, 1964. He preaches it again in 65. But here's where he begins to tell, and he told it in a number of places. This was a lot of detail here about the caribou with 42-inch horns and the silver-tipped grizzly bear that he got both and prophesied and told them months in advance about how it would happen and gave detail, all kinds of detail. And, and, I, and I thought tonight that, that I might just take a look at this and, and, and bring us, bring, let me try to bring to you my heart if I can. Is that okay? I'm going to do it in a way I've never done it, but it's how I feel it. And so... Brother Branham picks up here and he says, now he's going to give this testimony before he actually preaches his sermon. And I'm just going to read through the testimony and comment to you as the Lord laid it on my heart. And then we're going to wrap up and take up prayer request and give you an opportunity. Because listen, testimonies are popping everywhere. I'm constantly getting texts and phone calls. Got, got several just in the last 48 hours. Got three I hadn't even heard at all. And more and more things are happening. I'm here to tell you something. God, God's busy. And I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but the world's getting really bad. And I believe we're getting really close. Oh, my. I believe we're getting so close to the whole world. I, I was looking at a, at a headline, which was rather nauseating, but, but I, it caught my attention because I remembered that back in 2019, there was a headline, or right before the pandemic, there was a headline about a state championship, some young woman who had won, you know, I think she was maybe Miss Texas. I don't remember if that might stand correction, but I believe it was Texas. And, uh, and, that, and, it, and of course, that wouldn't be the, to attract me, 
But what attracted me was she was, he was the first in history to win a Miss Beauty contest because he was a trans man. And I know politically they want me to say a trans woman. Hear me, political world. I ain't saying it. I ain't saying it. It's a dude. <laughs> Dressed up like a girl. And some, some, some repulsive, non-called, non-genuine doctor tampered with what God did and got paid for it. And you think this world isn't corrupt. And he won Miss Texas or Miss whatever state it was. And then last year, he made headlines again because he actually won, he won the Miss USA pageant. And he's a Filipino-American man. So Filipino men are slight and small. And so he's, he's got features that he was, you know, with enough surgery and enough hormones, he was able to make himself at enough max factor. <laughs> still, still pretty ugly. I don't see how he won. But he did. But it's political. It's probably why he won. In fact, is that was the argument. They're saying it's all rigged because they wanted him to win it because everybody was so proud that he's a trans man. Made to look like a woman. I'm not here for political stump tonight. I just want to throw this in. And so today I catch the headline and it's this guy again. And now he's not only went to the state level, he won the nation. He won the Miss USA in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a whole, I forget how many, you know, probably 50, I guess. I don't know. I don't watch it, thank God. I guess 50 contestants would be in a Miss USA. And here are women who have spent their whole life beautifying themselves, rather in an ungodly fashion, no doubt. And here's some man, born a man, gets a surgery and puts on Max Factor, and there's enough political pressure to give him the crown. And set, fit and set 49 ladies aside. 49 women, I won't call them ladies. Well, guess what's the headline today? He went on to the Miss Universe pageant, 28 nations represented. Guess who, you want to guess who won? And there's, they're calling it conspiracy because, because you know, he's, he's definitely... I mean, and I saw a picture and I started, I could have put it up tonight. It was perfectly decent. He's standing there with his crown and his flowers and there's, I forget what do they call that, Boca, where the women behind him are in blur. Uh, so you couldn't even see it too good. I could have actually put it up. But I could tell that by worldly standards, by worldly standards, the women standing behind him had, had spent years and, and were by the world standards beautiful. Now, Brother Benham said, a real son of God don't call that beautiful because it's fake anyway. But here he is. I could, just as a human, I could make the observation that he's less attractive. But yet he wins the Miss Universe. And I said to my wife, I showed it to my wife, I said, this is the seal. This goes to show you that the homosexual perverted agenda is now the king of the world. That spirit is now global and the whole global community, they know it was political. All the lady contestants are up in air over it saying it was all political. Of course it was political. But that goes to show you the day and hour, the day of Sodom, the day of Lot, and the day of Noah. We are right in the middle of it. Hallelujah. I'm here to 
tell you something, friend. I'm not here to, 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 to get on a stump and say, oh, it's, oh, it's horrible, oh, it's horrible. I'm, I'm here to get in a pulpit and say, we're almost home, we're almost home, we're almost home. Yeah. Hallelujah. Brother Branham says, he's telling, he went off with Bud Southwick and I don't know if you've ever heard Bud's testimony, it's quite amazing. He's went on to glory now, but they recorded his testimony years ago sitting by a campfire and he, he corroborates everything Brother Branham is saying and even when Brother Branham is telling the story, Brother Biscoll is in the congregation and he was on this hunt. He's the little guy in a green checkered shirt, didn't think he had one. Forgot he didn't even know it was in his bag. In fact, is when he when he got it out, he said, I was actually a little upset at my wife because it had gotten torn and it was worn out. And I had told my wife, throw this thing in the trash. Sister Ruth, being the frugal housewife, she mended it and stuck it in his hunting bag and said, Well, you can wear it hunting. <laughs> Men don't like it when they get overruled by their wives in secret. There's nothing he'd do about it when he got in the wilderness. There was his shirt. <laughs> But, but God knew before the foundation of the world. God had already took a prophet forward in time. And I don't want to even use the word, I use the word forward because we think of time as linear. But time's not linear. Time is eternal. Time, and we're talking about he, he took him not into time, but he took him into eternity. Where Brother Branham said, where I can stand here and look back there. And he said, and I know I'm standing in this building and hoping people can still hear me, but I'm somewhere else and I'm looking back in someone's past. And then I can see him standing right here in front of me and I can see him in the past. And when he comes out, he's not even sure what he even said. I'm here to tell you something, friends. There's realms and worlds of realms we know nothing about. But he'd already seen him standing there. In that green checkered shirt. Brother Brandon picks up the story. I got to hurry. He says, when I got over, got the caribou, he talks about Bud. He says, Bud told him, he said, Brother Branham, and they had talked about this, this, this great animal with 42-inch horns. Didn't make sense to Bud. He said, you know where we're going? There isn't that kind of an animal, Brother Branham. He said, there, maybe it'll be a different hunting trip. And Brother Branham said, no, it's this one. He said, well, Brother Branham, I've hunted these hills for all my life. He said, I'm telling you, we're going into sheep country. The animal you're talking about doesn't exist up there. They don't live up there at all. They're nowhere around us. We'd have to go a long ways to get to them. And so he says, well, we'll go. And so the next day, you know, they're sitting by the campfire and they're getting ready to start out. And Bud says, well, Brother Branham says, look, said, uh, Brother Branham says, you know, we couldn't find them. They weren't, didn't seem to be anywhere. And Bud said, well, look, if you don't mind a long walk, he said, me and you can walk. He said, we go over this mountain range. He said, now that's a long walk, Brother Branham. But if you don't mind, Brother Branham, said, well, I like walking. And, uh, and he, he did. He loved walking. And Brother, Brother Perry Green tells how that Brother Branham, when he was, remember when he was shot at 14, and it tore all the muscle out of the back of his, of his thighs. And so, if it, so the back of his legs on his thighs were just gone where the shotgun blew through them. And so Brother Branham actually developed a little tricky way to walk where he, and I don't understand how it worked, but he walked somehow from his knees down. And he, he, it wasn't all about swinging his hips or moving, moving the upper part of his legs. And he could walk for 10, 20, 30 miles over mountainous ranges like that. So he said, but I like to walk. And so away they went. And just as sure as anything, just exactly what a prophet said, they came upon that caribou. And Brother Branham took him with a shot. 
And Bud was astounded. And they, they dressed him, and now they're trying to pack him back. And Brother M talks about, you know, we're carrying that big rack and that cape, and man, it's hot, and we had to get down near a glacier. You're here, you're here and tell it, he says. He says, now when I got over and got the caribou, and Bud said to me, now Brother Branham, you say these horns are 42 inches? I said, that's what they'll be. He said, looks to me like 92. <laughs> and I said, no, they're 42 inches. And he said, now, and he, he, he was using that as a segue, see. He's going to compliment Brother Brandon before he insults him. <laughs> and he said, now, according to what you told me, before we get back down to that boy down there with the checkered shirt on, which no one knew there was a boy with a checkered shirt because Brother Branham had already asked everybody in the camp, you got a checkered shirt? No. He asked Brother Eddie, you got a checkered shirt? No. He didn't know it was in the bag. He didn't know that God had predestinated before the foundation of the world and nothing could keep it out of that bag. That bag could have caught on fire. That shirt would have survived. <laughs> that bag could have got trapped under an ice glacier. The shirt would have floated to the top. I don't know. A bird would have carried it. I don't know. But he would have had that shirt on. And so he says, we're going, before we get back down there to that boy with the checkered shirt on, Eddie, where they was going to meet us down below the mountain a couple miles, said, you're going to kill a grizzly bear. I said, it's thus saith the Lord. I just thought about that confidence. That there he's standing with a guide who has hunted those areas. He said, Brother Branham, I've never seen one up here. Not a silver tip. No way. He said, I, since, a, since a boy... He said, I've been all over these mountains, Brother Branham. There are no silver tips. They're much further away from here. And he said, well, bud, he didn't believe the caribou. He didn't believe, I mean, he, he, he said, that animal's not around and the, bear, the bear's not around and this must be the wrong hunting trip. But it wasn't. And he said, now, according to what you told me before we get back down there, you're going to kill a grizzly bear. I said, it's thus saith the Lord. He said, Brother Branham, where is he coming from? I can see for 50 miles around. Brother Branham says this now was way up above the timberline, up where sheep live. There's no, no, no trees. You're on the top of a high mountain. Any of you who have been in, in western states and, you know, big sky country, and I mean, you can see like that. They take powerful glass for uh, scoping and things like that. And when you get on top of those, you know, there's no trees, there's no nothing, and you can just see for as far like a pilot you got visibility all around you. And he says, Brother Branham, I can see for 50 miles around us. Where, there's, where's he even going to be hiding? There's no even nowhere to hide him. He says, Brother Branham, where's he going to come from? I can see for 50 miles around. And I said, he's still Jehovah Jireh. Abraham was on a mountaintop where no ram would have survived a day wouldn't have survived a day with the predators. And Abraham is standing right there and there's no ram anywhere until he needs it. And Jehovah Jireh provided him on the spot. You know why, you know why Jehovah did that, Brother Bram said? Because his word had already declared it. He says, I said, he's still Jehovah Jireh. The Lord can provide for himself. See, he can make squirrels come into existence. If he can make a ram come into existence, if he has spoken about a bear, a bear can come into existence. You know, I 
I look around my life in the world. And I feel like I got a good visibility. I can see for 50 miles around my life. I can see, you know, I can see all the way back to where I began this journey. I have memories that go back to childhood. I remember the family that lived at 309 Hawthorne Drive. And there was five of us strong and one was not because he was taken as an infant. And now, out of that family that sat around that table and drove to church in a car, there remains myself, my sister, and my mother. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember standing in, I remember one time standing in the bathroom and I got up, stood up on the toilet and looked in the mirror because I was nine and I wanted to see how I would look when I was this tall. (laughs) That's the truth. I remember walking out on my porch and thinking, I wonder how old I'll be. How old will I be in the year 2000? It seemed like... That's ridiculous. We'll never see the year 2000. And this was, you know, just a boy. We moved there in, in the early 1970s. And, and I, I can see all the way back to where I began this journey. And I'm, I, I'm close enough now to the promised years that I can, I can look forward and see the end coming. And I know I'm well over halfway there, well over. Fact is, I'm, 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 I'm soon to... You know, I'm actually already in, moving into, uh, the, I'm already in the third quarter. And, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about promised years of 70 and then 80. Maybe you'll make it to 80. And I'm already uh, soon to be 60. And, and I can see from where I start. I can see my whole life. Brother Branham, where's this rapture going to come from? I can see all the way back to my childhood. And I've waited for that day since I was a boy. And I'm looking toward the end time, and I, I can see, but, but, I, but, but, but yet at the same time, but at the same time, I believe that I am the generation that will see the coming of the Lord. And I can see where I started. I can see that my end is coming close, but I still believe that the rapture is coming in my lifetime. I see how improbable It is for me. And I think that if we would be honest tonight, it's not just about staying alive long enough. There are going to be people who stay alive long enough who miss it. By the billions who will be alive and remain and they'll remain. But there will be a people alive and remain who will be gone. Because why? Like Enoch, the Lord took them. So it's not about living long enough to see it, but really it's about being the kind of overcomer, being the right kind of hearer, being the right kind of receiver, being the right kind of acting. I want to hear and I want to believe and I have heard and I do believe. And now I'm acting on the word of God, but is it enough? Am I going to make it? I believe I will, but at the same time, that man in the mirror gives me, gives me pause to say, are you sure? Are you sincere enough? Are you righteous enough? Are you praying enough? Are you holy enough? Are you enough for God? I can't be the only one who the devil tries to uh, bother our minds with. Yes, I know I've passed from death to life. Yes, I know there's an amen or down inside of me. 
but I'm also still a human. And when I was reading, I was hearing Brother Branham say this. And he said, Brother Branham, that bear's going to be there, but I can see everywhere. It seems impossible. And I just thought, Lord, how many times I've sat on my knees repenting, thinking it's impossible. I can, I can see my whole life. I can see all my errors. I can see all my mistakes. I can see my weaknesses. Going forward, I've still got these, these inhibitions. I'm still trying to overcome this. I'm still trying to overcome that. Amen. Sometimes it can look very improbable if I had Brother Branham here, you know, and I'd say, between six and nine? Oh, if I had Paul here. If I had Paul here, Paul, in a moment? Yes. In a twinkling of an eye? Yep. Really? Yep. In a moment. In a twinkling of an eye. But I... I can see 50 miles, Brother Branham. I can see all around me. Where's it going to come from? I see all my weaknesses. I, I see all my failures. And you're telling me that somewhere between now and a wedding supper, that my loved ones are going to appear in my living room and I'm going to be changed in a moment. How's it going to happen, Brother Branham? How's it going to be? Now, it's impossible, Paul. And Brother Branham would say, he's still Jehovah Jireh. The Lord can provide himself. I'm here to tell you, he's more than able. Hallelujah. If he has spoken about a resurrection, I know this, I've heard it. And I know this, I receive it. And I know this, I'm acting. Sorry, acting very good. I'm doing all I can. I'm, I'm going as hard as I can. And I'm sincere with it. I mean it. I'm not a hypocrite. I really believe God. I really love his word. I really want perfection. You don't have to convince me. I don't have to convince you. I know I do. I've... I've traded my life to have it. I've dedicated my whole existence to it. I've mortgaged my whole family to it. My children, my grandchildren, I've led the most precious thing in the world to me, to this life. And I want to say to my family and to you and to your family, none of us will be disappointed. I'm here to tell you, you can write it down in a book. It's going to come to pass. You're not going to be left holding the bag. Hallelujah. I'm going to be holding a crown just long enough to throw it at the feet of my Lord. Hallelujah. How do I know the rapture is real? Because I've heard the same voice of the resurrection. It raised Lazarus. It raised Jesus. It raised all the Old Testament saints. Because they were sincere, I have the same sincerity. I have the same voice. It'll raise the New Testament and it'll change me forever. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Don't you worry, friends, it'll change you forever. And everything the devil has battled you over, he'll, Brother Bradham, just like Moses, he said, these Egyptians whom you've seen today, you will see them no more forever. And he said, is this okay? I just want to finish this testimony. This is my time for testimony. He says, and I was trying to pack this heavy caribou down, the trophy down the mountain, I packed the rifle part of the time and 
he would pack the rifle and vice versa. We got almost to a big glacier and we got under there. It was kind of hot. We got in the glacier of ice and sit down there a while and cool off. He said, you know, Brother Branham, we're not over a mile. Before he was 50 mile radius. That's 25 miles in every direction. He says, now we're not more than about a mile from where Eddie and Blaine, them two boys, be standing. That old bear better be showing up. I said, but I believe you're doubting it. We have to own that because we get the same way. Come on, own that. We, we get the same way. Bud's, not, Bud's a real Christian. Bud really is a believer. But the circumstances look so impossible this time. I mean, it's, yeah, it's looked impossible before, but Brother Branham, we're less than a mile. I mean, I told you before we left, he wasn't up here. When, we, when I could see 50 mile radius, he wasn't anywhere. And now we're a mile away. He said, brother, I said, but I believe you're doubting it. He said, brother Branham, my brother had epileptic fits for years. And you told me once, the first time up here, when we went down to another place, told me what that boy looked like. And Eddie was riding right by my side there on a horse when the Lord gave the vision. I, and, and Brother Biscoe tells that in his testimony. He was riding side by side with Brother Branham, his horse next to his horse, and they were riding along. And Brother Branham says to Brother Eddie, I've just seen a vision. Tell Brother Bud, here's, what's, here's what to do about his, he's got a brother, and, descri- and he described him and said, here's what you do. He said, you, you tell his wife, get a message to his wife and say that the next time he has one of those fits, you rip that shirt off of him and you throw it into the wood stove and say, this I do in the name of Jesus Christ and he'll never have another one. Now you explain that. I don't know enough about quantum mechanics to tell you how that worked but I'm here to tell you that little bitty woman and she was a small woman and her husband was a big guy Bud's brother and Bud was a big old big old Albertan cowboy and he and here he's going and he and he's and he and he says you tell her and she here he goes into one of those fits and brother Ed tells this story and that little half a nothing woman jumped on that great big guy ripped and clawed till she got that shirt on a man having an epileptic seizure And she got that shirt stripped off of him and opened the fire and threw it in there and said, this I do in the name of Jesus Christ. And he said, he's never had another fit in his life. He said, and now he said, I can't doubt it. I said, bud, I don't know where the bear is coming from. But he said, I've never seen it fail. God will give me that grizzly bear before I get to them boys and we was almost down where the small spruce and timber started in. Here to tell you something, friends. The world is falling apart. And the days of Sodom and Noah have taken over the world. Global instability is rampant. Financial markets are unstable. World powers, there's, there's a powder keg in every region of the world right now. Just was reading today that the UN now starting to become very friendly with uh, terrorists who terrorize Israel. 
and honoring them and recognizing men who have murdered their own, their own UN peacekeepers. Do you understand the prophecy says the whole world comes against Israel? They hate her, see? And I'm here to tell you that it's, it's literally a powder keg in every region of the world. I mean, Armageddon. I want to say to you today, we're, we're almost down there. We're almost down there, friends. We're almost down there. Just like Bud is saying, Brother Brandon, we're almost down there. That bear better be showing up pretty soon. I'm here to tell you, Armageddon is just a, a snatch away. We're almost down there. That rapture, those saints better be coming along soon. Don't doubt it. Believe what God has done. Brother Branham said, I've never seen it fail. And I'm here to tell you tonight, I've never seen it fail. I've never seen this promise forsaken. I've never seen God's family left holding the bag. He says a little lower down the hill, we almost got into the timber. He sat down. He was the one that was packing the trophy then. I had the rifle and he said, that old bear better be showing up, hadn't he? I said, he'll be here, don't you worry. He said, I can see every hill. I said, but I see a promise. Listen, friends, I know you see the weaknesses you have, but would you look at a promise? I know you see what's happening in the world. I know you see your children. I know you see your home, but would you stop seeing that and start seeing a promise? Hallelujah. He promised. I said, whatever, whatever he said, bud. And I said, bud, what is that sitting right there? He tells in, an, in another telling, bud said to him, well, it's either somebody's milk cow or the biggest silver tip I've ever seen in my life. He looked and he said, it's a big silver tip. I said, that's him. One of these mornings, friends, I'm going to walk out into my living room. I'm going to go, that's him. There's going to be, Brother Brown said, you'll turn around one of these days and there'll be mama. There'll be daddy. There'll be brother. There'll be sister. Said, you'll feel a little, a little funny feeling sweep over you like a little pain. It'll be the last pain you ever feel in your life. At my age, you'll appreciate that. The last pain I ever feel. He said, it's a silver trip, that silver trip, that's him. When we got the grizzly, he says, and, and remember in the vision I told you, I was scared about that rifle. It, it was a little bitty 270, small bullets, you see. It's on tape. And I got the bear just about 500 yards like, and, and Bud said, you better shoot that bear in the back. And, and he said, did you ever shoot a grizzly bear? And I said, nope. <laughs> he said, oh, they don't know what death is. I, I, he said, I learned that a little, a little later. He says, they don't break up from shock. Said, you better shoot him. I said, I can't shoot him in the back, buddy. Brother Branham, Bud wanted him to hit him in the spine and break his back because he wouldn't die for sure. A little 270. No hunter insane enough to, would shoot a, a silver tip with, a, with, with nowhere to run and hide with a 270. And he said, I mean, when I was hog hunting, I, me and Matt walked down the road one time. We had our, I had a crossbow, he had a bow. And Hogzilla went across the road in front of us. And we just, Matt, Matt, I was afraid to move. And Matt just said, Dad, just start backing up. Just start backing up. And we started backing up. Because it sounded like they were coming in around us. These things were like trained warriors. 
And I said, I'll never come in here again. And next time I come, I had my 300 Magnum on this arm, my 44 Magnum in, in, in this holster. I was going to kill something. And here he is with a 270, going to shoot a big giant silver tip. And he said, here we go. And, I, and he said, according to the vision, buddy, according to the vision, I shot it in the heart. He said, well, if that vision said so, I'm going to stand by you. And he meant that literally. And he said, here we go. And I said, here we go. And we got a little closer. And when I raised up, the bear saw me. That was what he wanted to make a charge. And I shot the bear. It didn't even seem like it even hurt him. Here he come. And before I could get another bullet in the gun, the bear died about 50 yards from me. Bud was white around the mouth and said, Brother Branham, I didn't want him on my lap. (laughs) Brother Branham said, I didn't either. I never wanted the world to get this close. I've been firing shots and I never imagined it would get this close. I never imagined they would crown a a man as a beauty queen woman. I never imagined the world would accept that in wholesale. And now it's so politically incorrect to even suggest differently. I never wanted that for my children. I I never wanted the world to get that close. I didn't want it in my lap, but that's where it's at. I didn't want it for my kids. I didn't want it for my grandkids. I was certainly sure my kids would never grow up and I was doubly sure my grandkids and here they are growing up into full adults and I find myself all the time on this road of life trying to push the brake pedal through the floor. You ever done that teaching a teenager how to drive? You know, almost, you know, there's no break there, but you're pushing it all the way through the floor. And when I see the world and I see what my children, what my grandchildren are facing, I find myself trying to push the break through the floor. Yeah, I never imagined it would be this close. I didn't want it in my lap, but I still got a promise and I still got a weapon and I still got a vision. Hallelujah. Oh my, it feels like he's in our lap at this point. And Brother Branham, and Brother Branham said, but he said, I'm glad that vision said you got him. When I see the sin that my family has to go through, I'm glad Paul saw that we made it. I'm glad a prophet said, I see you all over there. Hallelujah, I'm glad for some glorious morning. I didn't want it in my lap, but here it is. But I'm still firing. And I got a promise. It'll go right to the heart of the enemy. Oh, my. Let me finish here. Last bit. And I said, now, he said, now, if them horns are 42 inches, I'm going to have a runaway. I'll say it the way he did. I'm going to have a screaming fit. Those are fun. I said, well, you just might as have it right now because that's what it's going to be. When we got down there to Brother Eddie... And he said to Brother Eddie, we tied the horses off and they're scared of a bear, see? And oh my, they had the smell of it and we couldn't skin him out. It was too late and they, they had to come back the next day. And then we, we broke up the string about 10 times. Horses running everywhere. And so when we got down there, he said, went and got the tape measured out of his, out of, measure out of his saddlebag and said, Blaine. And I said to Brother Eddie, I said, now watch that little hand there. See, according Accordingly, I thought it might have been Billy Paul. Little bitty hand holding the tape measure. Wasn't Brother Branham's son, it was Bud's son, Blaine. 
about 18 at the time. Brother Biscoe tells us in detail. He's standing there with his checkered shirt on. He didn't have it on when they left. He's got it on when they come back. And he said, I was standing there and they were going to measure. And he said, Brother Branham punched me and said, I thought you didn't have a checkered shirt. He said, Brother Branham, the most amazing thing. He said, I, I told my wife to throw it away. She must have mended it and stuck it in my bag. He said, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And, and Brother Branham had, I mean, Brother Ed had fell, fallen in water. And that's why he had to change the shirt. Amen. See, I mean, you're going to, if an angel trips you and pushes you, you're going to fall in water. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's probably not even your fault. <laughs> and so, Brother, Brother, Brother Biscoe, when he tells that story, he says, and I was watching. He, he says, Brother Brandon says here, he says, now watch that little hand. I punched Brother Eddie. We stepped back. He put it right up like that, exa exactly on the nose, 42 inches. See, just exactly Jesus never fails. The word will never fail as long as it comes from God. And Brother Ed tells that story he said, I was standing there and he popped me and said, I thought you didn't have this shirt. And I, well, I didn't. I thought it was gone. My wife put it in there. And, and he said, and we're standing there. And he said, as Blaine got down and he said, now what happened was you, well, they were trying to put the tape up here at the tip and they would bring, the, bring it down across the head and go up the other side. And before they could get up there, this side would pop off. And Bud was trying to measure. And every time he would start again and he'd get up there and this one would pop off. And he said, Blaine, Hold that tape down right there. And Blaine drops down because he's walking in a vision and doesn't know it. That's you. You're walking in a vision. You just remember that. When you get up tomorrow, I don't care what you feel like, you're walking in a vision. And he, and he said, and he put his hands down there to hold it. And Brother Ed said, and Brother Branham kind of, and he said, and right when Bud got up to that and put it over the tip of that other horn, he said, everybody standing in the circle kind of went. <laughs> and we looked and he said, it was 42 inches exactly. He said, I'm not here to tell you it was 42 and an eighth or that it was 41 and 7 eighths. He said, I probably wouldn't be standing here tonight. He said, but it was 42 exactly. I'm here to tell you something, friends. We have a more sure word of prophecy. I hope you believe that tonight. I hope you can accept that God has provisioned us with everything that we need. You remember that tomorrow, will you? I don't care what happens. I don't care what happens to you, with you, for you, by you. You just remember that a vision is unbroken and it's still marching forward. Hallelujah. God bless you. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. Come, musicians. Praise the Lord. Well, I went a, about a quarter of an hour, maybe 15 minutes longer than I intended, but I just wanted to give it to you from my heart. I know that it's, and I, if, and I love how Brother Ed, when he, those, those uh, testimonies, you can get them online. I forget what they call that. There's a whole series on it. And Brother Ed, as an aged man, is telling those stories that I've heard him tell personally so many times over the years. And I love how he ends it. And he tells it all and he comes down to the last detail. And he looks right in the camera and he said, and it's every bit true. I was there and it's every bit true. Amen. Praise the Lord. We have a number of prayer requests tonight. Um, 
whatever you choose, Brother Andrew or whatever Brother Anthony wishes. Let me get to these prayer requests. And uh, we're, let's move along. <clears throat> Why don't y'all come on forward, gather around up close. Let me, let me read these off. And you're going to have to, we, we've got a pretty good crowd tonight, so you're going to have to really come up tight and uh, really get close. Amen. Amen. like to get everybody coming up as tight as we can get you. Amen. Keep packing it in. They're still coming from far. Amen. Praise the Lord. Rod, good to see you. Welcome home. Come on up. There you go. Step aside. Yeah. Part the Red Sea. There you go. Come on. Come on, Pete. Come on, babe. All the way up. Up, up close. There you go. Follow Dad. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, don't you love the Lord? Amen. Kev, ain't this awesome? <laughs> Amen. Praise God. For those of you who don't know, we used to do this a lot, and uh, we used to do it every Wednesday. We, this goes all the way back to our A-frame days. We decided that Wednesday night prayer meeting needed to be a Wednesday night prayer meeting, and we would come together and uh, <clears throat> shorten everything up and pray with each other, for each other, and take up other needs. Sister Sarah Tester says, uh, yesterday I got a call that she, and she's a member of our assembly. She streams from North Carolina. Her husband, Gary, my wife's uncle, passed away, and I preached the funeral. And she's been uh, attending here across our stream for ever since. Very faithful. And um, she, I got a call that she was in the hospital with heart complications. And so I called her, and they were, I think they were going to keep her overnight. So I got this report from her today. I'm home now. Thanks for the prayers. I'm home now and doing better. They told me that I would have to have my meds changed and I may still have uh, AFib once in a while because of my age. Just keep me in prayers. I know God will see me through. I love that kind of testimony. Brother George Buckman writes, good evening and God bless you. Brother Jason, prayer requests for my father tonight. He had a stress test and they didn't like the results and have scheduled a heart cath for February one at 7 a.m. That's Brother George Sr. Brother Mark writes prayer requests for my Aunt Jan, or Joan. Is it Joan, Mark? Joanne? I'm sorry, my apologies. My Aunt uh, Joanne. Um, it's mom's sister. They found a large mass on her bladder, which they removed, but are waiting tests to see if it is malignant. Brother Don Gurgle writes, God bless you, Brother Jason. This afternoon I was texting to Brother Michael Oltek, checking on him. And Brother Mike wrote back this report. During the wreck, I tore an aorta. They want to put a stent in where it is torn to keep it from rupturing. Because of the location of the tear, they needed to put a bypass in first. These procedures have been complicated by brain bleeds caused by the accident and aggravated by blood thinners to accomplish the bypass and stent. As a result of this, they put the bypass in on the, thir in on the 13th of December, but couldn't put the stent because the blood thinners started to a brain bleed. I am to see the head doctor this Friday for evaluation 
on the uh, brain bleed. Then next Friday, I see my vascular surgeon. If we get the green light, then he will schedule the stent to be put in probably first part of February as soon as he can schedule it. Other than that, I'm doing well. So Brother Mike is needing prayer tonight. Um, I don't remember who this is, Brother Jason. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. That's just the finish of Brother Don's uh, prayer request. Sister Melissa writes, I have a few prayer requests for tonight. One, for a woman named Helen. She has a health condition that causes severe pain. Our church prayed for her before, and she is asking for us to continue to pray because it's working. Number two, for a lady I work with, her eyes are very bad. Number three, for a young man who was in an accident and has a critical head injury. My goodness. Brother Bruce Paris writes, Brother Jason, would you please lift Sister Linda up in prayer for relief from continued abdominal pain? God bless you, Brother Bruce. My sister, Lisa St. John, please remember me in prayer. I was up at 3 a.m. <clears throat> helping with Judah. He's been very sick and somehow managed to fall uh, and I uh, bent my left hand. It feels like I may have broken it. I have had it on ice and elevated since 3 a.m., but lots of pain, and especially with certain movements. The devil is attacking our family from every side. <coughs> he wants to hinder the meeting for us this weekend. That's the meeting there. Brother Matt is actually going to preach that meeting. But we are in much prayer for them. They are, they are going to be supernatural and tear down Satan's strongholds. Amen. That's quite a testimony. Amen. And baby Judah has been sick now. Amen. I'm sure you might have a request tonight. You want to raise up a hand to the Lord and say, Father, here's my hand. Under this hand is a request here. We still have a number who are sick in our own assembly and looking for the Lord to do great things for them. I don't see any other request. I apologize if I missed one that you sent me. Uh, you can. Hmm. Oh, no. Okay. Sister Andrea fall and fractured her foot. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Take the hand of someone near you or if a family member puts your hand around them, arm around them, and everything decently and, and in order. Father, we love you tonight. We love you for your word, Lord. We love you for the promises. They're such a reality to us, Lord. Oh, Lord God, as I spent all day and just going over these quotes and over them, Lord, and, and it just seemed like it, I could hardly keep the tears from my eyes. Oh, God, it meant so much to me. It meant so much that I could see my life in this testimony, Lord. It's just an animal. Years ago, a caribou and a bear and a prophet and a story. But, Lord, I could see my whole life in it. I, I could see my own anguish, Lord, of, of everything that we're facing in this world and how I feel about it in my heart and sin heaped up on every side. But, oh, God, I take courage tonight. Father, this, this very thought, Lord, that you're still Jehovah Jireh. You can provide it, Lord. You can produce it. You can put in me the kind of faith that I'm in need of that I can't seem to summon myself. You can bring me to that perfect position. You can bring me to a body change, Lord. You can provide and you will provide. Lord, there's frankly none of us 
we'd be honest tonight, Lord, there's none of us who feel like we could live holy enough to be able to be worthy of a body change. Lord, I'm sure that there's no one, none of your saints, although they were saints and they went into the ground down through 2,000 years, I'm sure none of them in their lifestyle qualified for resurrection, but they died in Christ. They died in the faith of their Lord and Savior. And that's where we stand today. We live. They died in that faith. We live in that faith, oh God. We stand upon it tonight and we believe every word that you gave us. And I bring these requests to you, Lord. We've read them out to you already. You know, oh God, the needs, Father. Hands went up across this building. I know across the airwaves, hands went up. There's others, Lord, with needs tonight. You're looking down under that hand and to, to see the need that's in the heart, Lord. Oh, precious Lamb of God, give us that which we have need of tonight. Encourage our faith. Increase our faith, Lord. Cause us, Father, to, to be able, Lord, to... to to, to, to take the remainder of this day and all of tomorrow and all of every next day as we come day after day. We don't know how many days we have left, but I want every day to be lived glorifying you. I want every day, every day, Lord. And if I stumble, I'll repent and I'll get up and I'll go again. Hallelujah. It seems impossible, but the promise has already been spoken. Someday, as he said, from between here and the camp down the mountain, the promise is going to come to pass. Yep, that's what he said. Somewhere between now, I'm standing in a building tonight with your family of believers. Somewhere between tonight, somewhere between here and a marriage supper, the dead in Christ are going to rise. And we which are alive and remain are going to be changed. I thank you for that reality. We love you, Lord. We ask you to touch these needs, Lord. These prayer requests that were read, these hands that were lifted, these ones that were spoken audibly, Lord, and, and within our heart spoken to you. We commit them all. I believe that you'll do it, Lord. Move upon our sick here that we have in, in our own tabernacle, Lord, and bring your people to the perfect vision you had of them. So as it is in heaven, so let it be in the earth, Lord. That vision that you had of us before the foundation of the world, may it be a living reality. We commit ourselves into your hands afresh tonight that you'll grant these things to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You love him? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> My, I've almost went too long. Praise the Lord. Uh, who, uh, you got, oh, here we go. Amen. We won't have the time I wanted to take all the requests, but uh, Chris, yours is lengthy, so I might. Where you at, Chris? Uh, no, it's too good. I'm going to let you do it. Amen. This might be the only one we get to. How many has got a testimony you want to share tonight? One, two, three. Oh, behind me? Four. Okay. Okay, y'all go back to your seats. Go back to your seats. Hey, it's only 8.37. Go back and sit down. I want, I want you to have these testimonies. They're fantastic. Oh, I wish I'd have made you stay up here. <laughs> Amen. Let me start back here. Who, you had one? Oh, Chris had one? We got two Chris's tonight. I just like, 
I just like to testify that uh, I started struggling with some sort of back strain and uh, I just have back issues. I fell out of a tree when I was pretty young and I think it's just been like the catalyst behind it. But basically it'll go out and it'll be really bad. Well, this time it started like a month ago and I just like wake up every morning at the same time about 5 a.m. and I would just have the worst pain ever and it'd be right in the center of my back. And anyways, I would take stuff and stretch and do whatever could hot shower and finally about one o'clock every day it would feel better but then it would repeat and this went on for four almost five weeks came up last uh sunday wednesday got prayed for got hands laid on me prayed and within a day maybe a day and a half gone completely problem solved so i just want to be thankful for yeah I saw two hands behind me. Okay. Oh, Andrew, go ahead. You got a mic there? Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to uh, give this real quick testimony. We, this, not this past Thursday, but the Thursday before, um, I had just gotten to work and I got a text from my wife that said uh, Landon's dog, Sherlock, uh, he's a three year old golden retriever, had been hit by a car in the road. Uh, kind of out in front of our house, down a little ways. He had he doesn't go out in front because we had an electric fence there, but he had gone through the neighbors a l- little ways down and had gotten out and uh, gotten hit by a car. And a young man had come by and saw him just turning circles and falling over on the side of the road and started knocking on doors trying to find us. And eventually they, they found it, found us and it was our dog. So um, we took him to the um, emergency vet and um, they charged us a whole lot of money to tell us that... Uh, he had a head injury <laughs> and uh, that he had swelling on his brain and that he was completely blind and they weren't sure if he could hear and they wanted to keep him overnight for another $5,000 and give him some meds and some fluids and um, I said well I asked him well what do you think what about just euthanizing him because you know uh, we don't want him to suffer like that if he's going to be blind and can't hear and they said well it's premature, I think, for that, the vet said, because there's a chance once the swelling goes down on his brain, you know, he may get some function back, but we just don't think he'll be, you know, we're, we're not too hopeful, but we, we think it's too early to just euthanize him. So I said, well, okay, well, can you give him the meds and let us take him home? They said, yeah, we can do that, but, you know, he might not do well. We said, okay, well, at the, at the time that it happened, when they found out, Emily, I guess she texts Sister Rachel, Rachel Watkins? Yeah. And next thing you know, we were getting texts from everybody saying they were praying. <laughs> and so um, I don't know, they activated some kind of phone tree or something, but <laughs> everybody just was texting and saying they were praying and, uh, and we were praying. And um, so we brought him home and kept him el- his head elevated and took him to his vet the next morning. And the next morning, his, his pressure was really high and they wanted us to take him back to the emergency vet hospital and have them keep him and we said you know we were like well we can't really afford that we're not going to do that we're just going to keep praying and and believing and see what the lord can do and so they kept him at the vet and gave him fluids all day and then later that afternoon he started improving his pressure came down um and we took him home and he basically was he was ataxic meaning that he couldn't stand up straight he couldn't walk he would just go sideways and fall over um, for about two days, and uh, we just um, kept there and praying, and he couldn't get up and down the steps. We're having to carry him up and down, and but anyway, uh, he slowly, slowly improved, and uh, in and about by four or five days later, um, he was starting to get get around, and he's just kind of walking in circles, and then 
um, maybe, uh, was it maybe Friday or Saturday? I know it must have been Sunday. Um, for the first time, it, he went after a tennis ball. Landon rode, rolled a tennis ball, and he went after it, and he picked it up off the floor. So we were like, well, he can see something because <laughs> he picked up the tennis ball uh, and brought it back. So, um, But uh, after that, he slowly improved, and uh, to the point now, he's got a little problem with his back foot um, where he's still limping a little bit, but now he's just running around. You would almost not even know that he'd ever had any problem at all. He's he's playing ball again and running around in the yard. I just wanted to say we just appreciated it so much that God is mindful of even the little things that are important to us. So Praise the thank Lord. Thank the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> was that the testimony you were going to give? Yeah. Chris, this was so good. Chris gave me this the other morning, Sister Debbie and I, and... Uh, um, I want you to tell it all, but try not to go too long. Amen. Okay. I'm right. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's a lot, but um, and, and I was almost afraid of what all to share because this is the first time a testimony, as a, not just for myself. I guess other people were involved, but I, I guess I realize, and he keeps saying it's good. You know, I feel like God's in the details. So you know, those are the parts you, you mentioned that help give God glory. You know, and so um. Yeah, I'll try to be fast. So basically, in case you all didn't know, I was in a bad situation. I was living in a motel room for three months. And um, in this time, I became laid off of work. And uh, so I'm living in a motel and I'm laid off of work, so I'm trying to find a job. And it's weird, you know, it's like, it's been really like a growing process, I guess. And, you know, and um, I've lost like everything. And... uh, through this time, and I started coming back to church and stuff, it's like, I've matured a lot, and I just, for some reason, it seems like, you know, I just got laid off of work, I'm living in a motel, but how am I going to afford every day to pay for this motel, and it's just like, every day I'm trying to, like, hustle to figure out how to have a roof over my head, so, um, long story short, even though it's a long story, um, so, um, oh, and I was going to say, but in this maturing process, for some reason, you know, I'm about to be on the street. I'm running out of money. But for some reason, I have, like, this peace or something. It's like um, I should have way more urgency and stuff, but I'm not, like, freaking out or anything. I'm just calm. And I don't know. I guess I just feel like whatever, I'll just, it's going to happen, I guess. I don't know. It's weird how to explain it. But anyway, it was like, I think it was on a Tuesday, and I only had $30 left for my motel room. And I couldn't think I was short $30. I couldn't think or I couldn't get a hold of anybody that I have friends with in Beaufort that if I needed to reach out sometimes for some help, that they would help me out. I couldn't get a hold of any of them. So I called a brother in the church. Um, I called George Buckman, Brother George. And he was out of town, but he just asked me why I called now, I just mentioned, you know, I was just trying to get $30 so I could pay you back tonight. Well, obviously, he was out of town. But he just suggested, you know, call Matt or one of the other brothers, um, Brother Matt Watkins. And anyway, um, I haven't really spoke to Matt too much since I first started coming back to church. So I haven't really talked to him much. So anyway, I'm, I'm trying to hurry. <laughs> All right. So I call Brother Matt. And I asked him if I could borrow $30. And he's like, yeah, you can borrow $30. And then he's just like, what are you doing right now? And I was like, "Uh, I'm not working. He's like, you're not working? And I was like, no, I got laid off. And he's like, well, if you want, you can come work for me like today. 
So um, that's what happened. He picked me up. He, he gave me the $30 so I'd have a room for the night, and I worked with him. And then the next day, I was in the same situation. I needed money for the room. Um, I was going to work with Matt, and I said, Matt, is there any way you could help me with the room? And he said, yes. And then I believe, if I'm correct, that was also, I came to church and I put in a prayer request, you know, just asking for help, you know, for my situation and everything because, um, you know, I don't know what to do, honestly. And so um, that evening, um, I guess after church, I look at my bank account because I have like an app online you can look. I had like $25 in my bank account or something. And then, so later on I look, and then I have like, I think it was like $98 or $108. I don't know, but for some reason I had more money in my bank account than I had before. And then, so I, I'm like kind of puzzled, but I'm like already thinking, well, that's wonderful because tomorrow I'm going to have to pay for this room again. And now I have the money magically or something, you know? <laughs> so, um, so um, anyway, it, I, it was either, I think it was later on in the evening before I went to bed again, I checked my bank again, and then I had 300 and something oh. dollars. <laughs> and so uh, I was like, my money's coming back to me or something. I didn't know, you know, I just, it was just, to me, it was like amazing. And so I, I went to bed, and the next morning, you know, the housekeeper knocks on my door like every morning, like clockwork at 9.30. Knocked on my door and said, they need you to go to the front because you got to check out. And I was like, no, I'm going to stay over. And they were like, well, you need to talk to her because they said you need to go up there. So I go up there, and they're kicking me out of the motel because uh, that motel, I was staying in the Super 8, and it's like right now they're renovating most of their rooms, like remodeling and military graduation. If I can't beat them to the room, I can't book it, they put me out. So um, I'm already making a plan. You know, they said I can't stay in the room. I was like, well, I can take money from here and out of the bank and take it with my deposit. I'll get back and go get a room at another hotel. And uh, Brother Jason gives me a phone call. And he's like, what are you doing right now? And I'm like, well, I'm actually getting ready to check out of the motel because they said I can't stay here. And I told him the same little story. And he's like, well, why don't you let me pick you up? And um, I want to, like, spend some time with you and show you some things or something and like I have a surprise or something like that he said so I was like okay so um, I'm going with him and we're like just hanging out running errands you know and um, you know I really did enjoy it even though it was like briefly but it's like I got to see more of a like a, a funner or like a human side of you like <laughs> not to sound bad or anything but it was like you were just like cutting up. I didn't mean no disrespect, you know. But another, you weren't behind the pulpit, so. Okay. So um, we go, and I need to try to hurry this up. So, okay. So we're running his errands. Um, we go to Graco, and uh, he's got this propane tank, and we go pick up like a garden hose. We get the propane tank refilled, and... Um, he needs to make some keys, copies for some keys and stuff. And it was, like, interesting because um, I think we went out in and out of the store a few times. I don't know. But I had to go to the truck, get the propane tank and stuff. And um, he started telling the guy about the keys. He's like, I got these keys to a camper, and, like, I need, you know, to get them copied. And he's going on about this story about, you know, he didn't want 
to replace the locks because a lot of people might have keys to those newer locks or I don't know. But anyway, I was even thinking in my mind, it's like, it'd be cool if he just like let me hold those keys. So that camper, that, that went in my mind. But anyway, he gets the keys and stuff and we get everything back into the pickup truck and then we go to Walmart. He's got Aaron, he's got to run for Sister Debbie. He had to return something. <laughs> so um, on, on our way to Walmart, we're having another conversation. And he, he's talking to me about um, trying to help, you know, he wants to try to help get my, my, or my life back on track. And uh, I've had some problems with my driver's license and stuff, and it's um, suspended. But he's gonna, he said he would like to help me. He, and this is what really was really struck me about this, it's like the whole time I've known you, I've known you for a long time, that you said it to me like this, you were like, I love Sister Jackie, and I love, you know, Mike, and I was like, you all are like family, that, you know, my family married into your family, but that was the first time I think ever that I've ever heard you kind of consider me as family, and not just like a brother in Christ, Lord. you know, so that really meant a lot to me, you know, and, uh, so um, he said, you know, I told him what I need to do to get my license situated, and he said he would help me with that. And I thanked him, and he said it'd be his pleasure. You know, it just made me feel good that, because that's another thing through this whole time. It's like I've had no family. My parents both passed away two years ago, and there's nobody here. And all my friends, basically, except for now these friends, yeah. they all have turned their back on me. So um, it just meant a lot, you know. So I'm trying to hurry. So then... We, we leave Walmart, and then he wants to make sure these keys work. So we go out to this RV campground, or where there's a camper at. And, uh, you know, he's making sure the keys work, and he said they're great. They do work. He asked me to put the propane tank in the front of the camper and stuff, and he hooks up the garden hose, and he goes on a little bit, and he says, I just want you to know that I've been trying to figure out how to help you, you know, and it's just so happened I, I have this trailer or this camper. And he's like... Um, I can afford to let you stay here for one month, rent-free, so you can get back on your feet, you know, and I just really greatly appreciated that, you know, because, you know, we both had conversations, and I've had conversations with other people. It's very expensive to live in a motel, so, um, but that was my only option, and uh, so he, he does this for me, so, like, and that was amazing to me. It's like, so I don't, I think I told Brother Jason, but I don't know if he knew from the conversation, but the day I got kicked out of the motel is the same day that now I got this camper I can stay in. And and then after that, you know, and I, I thank Brother Jason for that and everything, and I appreciate it so much. And then he said, you know, he had some work around his house I could do. And so I was like, it just keeps going and going and going. So then I, he said I could work for him in his backyard doing some work around the house, like clearing the land or I don't know. I don't want to go in a big spiel. But anyway, so he gives me labor to do and, and he pays me, you know, he paid me cash money to do it. And he's told me he's because yeah, we left my moped at the motel and he, he was taking me back after I worked. And, and he said, um, you know, take some of that money and get you some stuff you need from the store before you come to the camper. And I was like, all right. So um, I go to, the, oh, I stop at Food Line on Ladies Island, and I'm going around looking for stuff I need, like some paper cups or styrofoam cups and some dish soap and, I don't know, just some random things that I needed. And um, I was always 
being frugal about everything. This, through this whole time, I'm like trying to be very frugal. So um, I don't know if people notice that I'm frugal, but um, I go in the checkout line and I probably only had like $10 of stuff. And this lady behind me, she's like, um, she tells the, the, the clerk or whatever you call it, the person running the cash register, just um, bag up his stuff and tack it onto mine. And, um, you know, and I'll take care of it. And I, I looked at the lady. I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah, really. Sometimes I just do that for people. I just, you know, whatever they're getting, I just add it to my bill and I pay for it. So, um, so I looked at her and I was just like, you know, I, I thanked her. And I was like, thank you so much. And I was like, you're such a blessing, you know. And I just said, God bless you. And, you know, and I didn't even realize I left an impact. So, um. I grab my stuff and go down the road. I stop at the gas station across from New Point on Ladies Island. Ask the, the sales clerk there for a couple styrofoam cups because I didn't want to buy this giant pack of styrofoam cups, even though it was a good deal, but I'm like on a moped. So I can't fit a lot of stuff on a moped. So anyway, they gave me the cups for free. And I go back along my way and, and I go to the camper. And... Um, I'm pulling into the campground, and right behind me pulls this car. And I noticed it was weird, because when I was driving to the campground, this car was in front of me at first, and it was weird. It, like, pulled over to the shoulder or something on Sam's Point, and a car swerved around it, so I decided to swerve around it and just be keep going about my way. And so um, I pull into where the camper is, and she pulls in right behind me, and she gets out, and she's like, are you the guy I just saw at the, gas or at the food line? And I was like, yes, you know, that was me. And she's like, well, we just so happen to be going the same way. She's like, I'm just going a little bit past where you're at. But she's like, but you told me I was a blessing to you, so I just wanted to do this for you. So uh, she gets out of her car, and he, she hands me $40. And, uh, you know, I thanked her again and everything. And, um, you know, I, I asked her in that conversation, I was like, well, what is your name? And she said her name was Lynn. And I can't remember her last name, but she was wearing like a Sherwin-Williams like shirt. She worked for a painting company or owned a painting company, like Connor Painting or something. And uh, after she gave me the money, she asked if I was working. And I was like, I'm working a little bit, but I'm kind of in between jobs. So she also said that her company does a lot of like, uh, well, painting, obviously, but like there's like remodels and stuff where they could use someone because I said I was a plumber and I can do handyman work and stuff. And so she took my phone number and said she would give me a call if she had some work for, for me to do. So the woman, you know, bought my groceries, followed me home, gave me more money and then offered to give me a job. So, um, but, um, but that whole day, it was just like so miraculous you know and um and I, I said at least you know from that whole experience and it's like I've gone from the very bottom and now I'm starting to come back up and and I just feel like you know because of all this that happened I feel like if nothing else from my experience that I can truly believe that God really loves me and that you know Amen. that things worked out you know and I don't know but um no and I also want to say because I, I've I, I swear I'll give this. I'll give this to somebody else. But um, just by making myself give that testimony, also caught myself in a little white lie. 
So I want to say this, brother, because I just talked to him last night about a potential job offer, and I told him I could drive a van. Well, technically, legally, I can't. So I guess it was a white lie, but I'm still professing positively or confessing. But I just wanted to say that, that you're not going to be like, why do you say that after just saying all this? So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, thank you, and God bless you. <laughs> Glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's stand back to our feet. It's right at nine o'clock. We're going to let you go. I'm sure there's more testimonies. We're just getting started back on our traditional Wednesday nights. And so I'm looking forward to it. My God is doing so many things. And I've heard some other testimonies and even today. And, uh, and I know, uh, um, the Lord's doing some things for other people, and he's test- there's some testimonies in the works. So I'm just waiting to hear the final report on it. Isn't God good? Oh, it's been good to be in the house of God tonight. Amen. We sure love and appreciate all of you, and I certainly appreciate all these wonderful testimonies. Amen. Praise the Lord. That one of Chris, I was thinking about that today. I hadn't heard what would happen, but I just had a feeling the Lord would do something wonderful. And Amen. God cares about little things, even family pets. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you had an injured dog, Sister Rachel was the one to call. I'm here to tell you, she was the one to text. Amen. Because, uh, amen, that sister, she, uh, what is it Ethan says to me? My mom has three dogs and four kids. Three dogs and, four kids. <laughs> and the three kids and four dogs. Yeah, the, the, are the dogs the kids or something like that, ain't they? <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, Amen. I was talking to her on the phone the other day, and, and I could, she sounded a little muffled. She said, I'm sorry. She said, Bailey's sitting on my face. And, she said, and I said, and you love every minute of it. She said, I do. I know. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Turn around and shake hands with somebody. Greet them in the name of the Lord. We're going to let you go and be dismissed. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you this weekend. Sing for us, Brother Tony. God bless you, friends. Think about his love. Think about his good. Think about his grace that he's brought us through. Let's go, Lord. Think about his love. Think about his goodness. Think about his
Father's love.